I get a lot of messages on LinkedIn from people who listen to our podcast. People will have heard Dan Fagella, AI and Industry. They'll search through LinkedIn, get connected, and I get questions like, hey, I heard this episode about AI and pharma. I didn't know if you'd done anything about diagnostic tech. Or, hey, I heard this thing about an application in finance. Have you done anything on insurance? And I, I almost always will have different resources that we've done, whether it's longer form research or bigger articles that we've put together, and I'll kind of send along a bunch of things and keep the conversation going. I get a lot of good ideas for articles and for future research projects from those conversations. And every now and again, I'll get somebody to say, whoa, I didn't realize you had a website, uh, which always shocks the ever-loving heck out of me. Um, so for, for those of you who haven't already seen, we're going to be talking today about healthcare and some pretty interesting automation applications in the back end of sort of the business of healthcare, um, we've done a tremendous amount of coverage in this space. So healthcare drives a huge volume of traffic to techemergence.com, hundreds of thousands of page views uh, every month to that site, and healthcare is a big, big part of it. Everything from diagnostics to robotics to you name it, um, genomics, we've covered many, many aspects and facets of healthcare at techemergence.com. Under the Industries tab, if you click on healthcare, you can search around and find almost anything you're looking for in terms of AI applications. Um, we have a writer by the name of Kumba who focuses on that beat specifically. She's in Washington, D.C. and actually works in kind of the lobbying space in healthcare and does some tremendously deep dive coverage in addition to our research and interviews. Um, so definitely do dive into the healthcare segment. If you like this particular interview, uh, be sure to explore the full breadth of what we have. Um, and, and obviously, feel free to pop me an email if you uh, don't find something that you're looking for, or feel free to ping me on LinkedIn, which is where most people end up hitting me. But without further ado, I want to get into this episode and talk a bit about what makes it different. We've, again, as I mentioned, genomics, diagnostics, machine vision, we've talked about a lot of healthcare applications. There are a lot of applications uh, that we haven't covered in the domain of sort of white-collar automation. So that is to say uh, issues around billing and invoices, around managing debt, around managing medical claims uh, and sort of exceptional claim circumstances and sort of how hospitals can, can better deal uh, with those in their business as well. And that's more of what we dive into today. This interview is part of our AI in Austin series. If you haven't searched Austin at techemergence.com, you can see the full article there. Probably the, the deepest dive into the AI ecosystem in Austin that you'll ever find in terms of what sort of unique value does that community have? Where are they strong? Where are they weak? What's relevant there in terms of business? I think we, we did a, a pretty good job uh, by being in the in the city for nearly a week and interviewing as many people as possible. Manoj Saxena is the guest that we have on the podcast this week. Uh, Manoj was general manager at Watson, that is IBM Watson, uh, in Austin, Texas. That kind of experience is not necessarily in the pedigree of most folks that start an AI company, but it was for Manoj. He now runs Cognitive Scale, uh, which is one of the companies that's raised the most money in the startup ecosystem in Austin in general, never mind in the AI-specific startup ecosystem out there. Uh, I think they've got a couple hundred folks there now at the team. If you're listening to this on our website, you'll actually see a picture with me and Manoj at their headquarters. Pretty cool place. Um, and we dive deep into specific white-collar automation elements in the healthcare domain. So I speak with Manoj about 
uh, invoice handling, bad debt reduction, claims combat, and the patient experience. Where can AI and automation play a better role in sort of augmenting and enhancing those elements of sort of the healthcare domain. Manoj does a, a really good job of summarizing the applications in simple business language. He's he's kind of an MBA and a business fella in addition to understanding the tech, so I think he does a good job there. I didn't have to poke him and prod him too hard to make things understandable. And I think this will really open up people's eyes to the applications outside of just medicine to how do we make the business run better? And I think a lot of the ideas around white collar automation here are going to translate very well uh, to people thinking about their own businesses, whether they're in insurance or marketing or whatever the case may be, sort of the basic capabilities of AI working in these white collar and sort of finance uh, aspects of healthcare, I think will transfer pretty well to other brainstorms. So without further ado, I'm Dan Fagello. This is AI in Industry, and you're listening to Manoj from Cognitive Scale. So, Manoj, where we'll start off is just sort of the possibility space of what could be called kind of process automation in the healthcare world. There's probably categories of work there that could be accomplished with AI. Where do you currently see kind of the fruitful opportunity in the back end of healthcare? So, AI has a tremendous amount of applications around intelligent process automation. The top four areas that we are seeing a lot of value in, one is around just the whole area of invoice handling and invoice exception management. Second is around the area of bad debt reduction, being able to predict and manage bad debt. Third is around the area of claims combat. How do you make sure that you process and combat claims exception in a much more efficient way? And then the last one is around patient experience and what we call as the air traffic control for patients as they move from system to system or from department to department. So those are the top four areas. And what these have in common is, I'm going to use a term you were using off microphone a second ago, was sort of work that normally involves judgment. This is judgment-based human work. Somebody normally has to look at something, understand the context, and then make a call. Exactly. Right? So yeah, let's dive into some of these in terms of how they pan out. I mean, you can pick what you think would be a nice representative example of judgment work there, but which which could be cool to chat about? So I think we can start with something that everyone does, which is around invoice management. Right. Okay. So one of the largest healthcare companies in the country has been using our AI to improve the straight through processing rate on their invoices. So today they have dozens of people who collectively get about 63, 64% of the invoices right. And when we started augmenting those people with an AI that can start actually understanding and reading the image and the contents of an invoice, Within about a five-month period, we were in the high 90%. So we were able to reduce significantly amount of effort and labor that was needed to just do invoice processing. And now, in terms of getting invoices right, for some folks tuned in are in the back of healthcare businesses all the time. They know what healthcare invoicing is like. Yeah. Just for context, what could go wrong? What, what are the elements that make these complex? Yeah, that's for, great. You know, an invoice essentially is a document or an image, depending on how you are inputting it into the AI, and it has multiple fields in it. So one of them may call it customer number, other may call it member ID, and third one may say user ID. And many companies may represent those fields differently. Or someone may call the payer as IBM companies, other one may call IBM Corp. And so there are lots of semantic differences and document structure differences that are across an invoice document. So when an AI, what an AI does, because it can process structured and unstructured data, 
It can read and understand all the key concepts that make up an invoice and starts looking at patterns because unlike rules-based system, an AI-based system is pattern-driven and it learns. So the AI would have gone through every new invoice and starts understanding, hey, I saw this, you know, 18,000 invoices ago. Yeah. And it starts helping you process them faster. So, and I can imagine, tell me if I'm right here. And again, I, I like to clarify the reality to make sure not being an expert in the field has one advantage yeah. that I can't see things in my head yeah. without a little bit of clarification sometimes. Sure. So for this, I imagine invoices might come in. There needs to be a certain kind of information. Like you said, you're going to have you know a customer number. You're going to have a member ID. You're going to have a field where the money amount is and when the payment date is or whatever those fields are. Disease codes, treatment types. All this stuff. Yeah. And you're not going to have every company put them in in the exact same format. They're going to have all the info you need probably, but however they want to lay it out. Exactly. And I guess a human combs it and says, okay, well, I need to know how much to pay. A human combs it and says, okay, I need to know when to pay it. But a machine could hypothetically also do the same thing. And I guess the idea is if you have a certain kind of formatting of invoice that becomes popular, let's say two months from now, and a bunch of firms start doing it, well, after you train it on the first 12 examples, it'll know that this is the payment date. And exactly. just grab it. Exactly. So that's the idea. That's okay. exactly it. Cool. Like a digital brain. Yep. So that's one potential example, and that's a really cut-and-dry use case of what I guess could be called white-collar automation. That's one element we're talking about invoicing. What else do we have that's a nice representative example? So this whole revenue cycle management is another area. Now, the ability for uh, claims is an area that many healthcare providers are dealing with the issue of claims combat. So uh, if you're a mid-sized hospital, you typically have anywhere from tens of hundreds of millions of dollars of invoices on claims that are submitted to payers that get rejected back. And you have an army of people who are resubmitting these claims. So one of the examples we did for MD Anderson was we took a whole, you know, a batch of their claims and started understanding the patterns of successful claims versus unsuccessful claims. So we did two motions for them. One is, as the person was preparing the claim, your AI will start telling you there's an 84% chance this claim is going to get denied. Because I've seen patterns of these claims before. Unless you make this attachment and unless you provide this proof, it's going to get thrown out. So it's, again, augmenting the knowledge worker through a set of patterns that the AI has seen over multiple claims, successful and unsuccessful ones. Yeah, that's, I mean, you know what this reminds me of? And tell me if I'm on the wrong page. Is, you know, in the world of banking and loans and whatnot, sort of like, okay, well, normally we would just look at, like, these historical financial facts. But given everything we know about this person... Here's probably where we sit in terms of this hundred grand coming back to you, exactly. right? It's a more nuanced perspective based on trained information. It sounds like that's the same thing here. Hey, you know, okay, this person getting this kind of treatment, well, given this circumstance, actually, this normally doesn't end up being so good. Exactly, exactly. Because um, the power of an AI is it can read structured and unstructured data. It can read an image. It can read a document. It can look at a complex ICD-9 claim structure, right? Before this, it was only numbers that computers could process. Yep. Now we can feed documents and it can learn from documents. And same thing, by the way, relates to the third example on bad debt, prediction of bad debts, right? So as you're admitting patients or as you're treating patients to the process, the AI can look at a complete picture of both that particular individual and their capacity to pay, as well as individuals like that patient that you have dealt with in the past and start giving you alerts and guidance to say, this particular patient, now that we found that she's got a BRAF4 mutation for breast cancer and they need five more steps in the thing, patients like this typically have had struggle payments 
for these reasons. And here are three sources of funding that you could suggest to the patient right now so that A, they get a better experience and B, you have lower bad debt. Got it. So, so this is handy. So just to put a little bit of color on this, if we imagine this to a particular example as you were just doing, it might be while someone is coming in for a treatment when we're just entering all their various information, there's got to be a lot of factors that go into that training, right? Because for example, if we're looking to detect dogs in pictures, we just need a lot of pictures and then we can find dogs. If we want to find someone's ability to pay, well, we need to know age, gender, like where they live, are they married? You know, like, I don't know, we might have to know all kinds of stuff. What kind of credit card are they using? What's their geolocation? What's the estimated expense over the next five years of what their disease is? Like, this is a lot more factor. So it sounds... It sounds almost like organizing and orchestrating the data to even train that model is, and this is common in healthcare, like seems prohibitively challenging. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why I think taking a thin sliver of a problem like bad debt and around a disease type and then being able to train it around a disease type is critical because we talk about training a system around three behaviors, declared, observed, and inferred. What has the patient declared that we already know? What have we observed about patients like her from the past? And then what can we infer from cases of patients like this? So the AI is able to look at all the data structures. It also look at all the patterns in the past where similar things have happened. So whether the patient even declares themselves fully or not, we can look at patients like that and start making some inferences about it. Cool. Okay. That's neat. And I think that there are a lot of challenges around doing what you're talking about, which is basically taking this amorphous idea of AI, this endless world of data and saying like, What's a problem? Yeah. What's a problem that has a dollar sign on it? Not yeah. the, not a problem that we could apply it to, but a problem with a dollar sign. And obviously, it sounds like banking and loans, you don't have to explain anything. Everybody understands why that's important. Yeah. Collecting on debts, yeah, everybody gets why that's important, right? There's no like, well, if you think about it, if you up your conversion rate by a certain, it's like there's no real argument there. Yeah. So, so that's interesting, but there must be some pretty concerted efforts up front in order to say, for this sliver, we're going to need at least these 12 things. Yeah. And we need to organize our past data to get some training information. We need to organize all incoming people to feed this way. And we need to give this thing enough time to come up with some conclusions here. So that there's a bit of a process, obviously. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, That's yeah, AI. Yeah, yeah. But just tell me if I'm wrong. But it, it would seem as though going into a hospital, there would be some of that reworking to make this work. Yeah, absolutely. So I think this is where the AI applications are now evolving. It's no different than the web. When the web pages came about and the website came about, to build a web-based application, you had to go in and prepare Crazy and get some hard, content yeah. in there, right? It was hard in the beginning. Yeah. And then the tools started making the job simpler. Same things happening with AI. There are AI application development platforms. Well, you know, that's kind of what Cognitive Scale does. We call it Cortex. It's like a power builder of apps. It's you can go in and say, here's a framework. We know here are the seven data types that we need. Three of them are internal to you. Four of them are external to you. It needs these eight different models to be trained, and it also needs these tests to be able to make sure that these models are performance to the accuracy and the models are explainable. That's the other big part when you get into enterprise AI versus consumer AI. Yeah, the AI needs to be explainable. Well, especially in healthcare and finance. Right? Exactly. I mean, no one will touch a system. It's one thing to say it's a dog or a cat. It's another thing to say I denied the claim and the patient died, and I'm getting sued for $40 million, and my AI, you know, I can't tell you why it said what it said. So there's a lot of fundamental capabilities like that in these AI application development platforms that are now coming up, which are automating these processes. 
Yeah, and I think that is me sitting in the seat of an analyst of the, the market. That's something I'm pretty excited to see the evolution of. In other words, how do we take what is kind of a wizard skill mm-hmm. and eventually mold it into something that's easy? Exactly. I overuse, for the, uh, the folks who've listened to enough of our episodes, I overuse the example of like marketing automation. I can imagine back in the old days to make it so that based on this behavior, they get this message. And if they click on this, they also get a variation of that. Like you have to work with ISPs. You have to do insane stuff. Eventually, it gets to the point where through trying things out with customers, through the developments of tech, through trying things out with customers, developments of tech, you actually can basically have like a middle school education and just use AWeber, use MailChimp, whatever, and be fine. And I think AI is kind of pulling itself to, can we get to the point where someone behind the desk at healthcare facility X can just sort of do this and exactly. find the answer they exactly. want. Exactly. We call it democratization of AI. Yeah. Right. And that's happening through three things. It's a combination of software and data and methods. So it's about like with web publishing, you know, it used to take you three months to build a website. Yep. Now you can publish it in real time using a word processing engine because the software has evolved. The data that's powering this model is going to be evolving like in healthcare, like we yep. use. And then the methods you know, we have this method called 10, 10, 10, where in 10 hours, we select a use case. In 10 days, we build a reference app using their data. And with 10 weeks, we take them into production. So this 10, 10, 10 method, along with the data and the software, this used to take, when I was running IBM Watson seven years ago, it used to take us eight months to build an app. Now we can do that in a matter of weeks yeah. because these tools are evolving, the methods are evolving, and the data is getting more identified to what data is needed to power which AI process. And I'm sure there's always snags in certain circumstances where things are challenging, but I think the goal is, and certainly the goal for marketing for you guys, is finding a way to make that easier. Because I think businesses are going to be afraid of that. You guys need to get their guard down, and also you need to find a way to make it click. So clearly it makes sense from a marketing perspective as well. Final question here that I want to run by you, Manoj. In terms of the future, you you guys are in the back of a lot of healthcare facilities. You're automating, you know, this judgment-based work, as you called it. You know, I can imagine a healthcare exec tuned in, or maybe someone passes us to a doctor who listens, who asks themselves, all right, well, maybe at Mount Sinai, or maybe at, you know, one of these big schmancy hospitals, they're going to have this cool stuff. I'm at some regular hospital in some regular city, whatever it is, right? You know, you take your average hospital. Where am I going to see this implemented in my processes in the next half a decade? You know, neither you nor I have a crystal ball, but you've got an informed perspective here. If you're going to figure out, if you guess, which of these process automations are probably going to become the norm in in the the half decade ahead, which ones are most likely to shuffle their way into maybe the more mid-sized hospitals too, would you have a guess as to which would have the most hook to make that happen? I think revenue cycle management is the clearest one because how do you help people take out the cost and inefficiencies in the whole process of pre-authorizations, claim submissions, claim settlement, and payments. That's one clear area. The second area is is, uh, care delivery. I think, how do I manage patient outcomes at the lowest possible cost while being most compliant to the protocols? I think those are the two areas, revenue cycle management and care delivery, that these would be built in to the software that these folks are going to be using. Just like when the internet came about, every product got webified. With AI coming yeah. in, every application, every product is going to get AI totally. on into it. Yeah, the, that's the value prop for when we hire a tech emergence. Is like, well, you know, B two B decision makers are going to have to, you know, come to grips with AI. Five trillion dollars in IT spend, tiny percent is AI. In the next ten years, it's going to have to be a part of all tools, right? Absolutely. I mean, you guys are doing that from the get go. Yeah. So cool. So care delivery, revenue cycle management. 
you know, in the years ahead, you see that these are areas where the software is going to be smarter to make that happen. Absolutely. Cool. Well, I have my fingers crossed that that vision comes to life, Manoj, and I appreciate you sharing your insights. Thank you. So Thank so you much. for the opportunity. Yeah. That's all for this episode on the AI and Industry Podcast, where we explore the applications and implications of AI in your business or industry. And when it comes to those benefits of real insight in terms of artificial intelligence applications in business, this show is really just the tip of the iceberg. AI and Industry is produced by Tech Emergence, and over at techemergence.com, you can find actionable industry-specific coverage, including case studies, unique market research with charts and graphs, and regular coverage of the AI applications of both the hottest startups here in the Bay Area, as well as what Fortune 500 companies are doing with AI today. Everything from marketing and advertising, business intelligence, to specific industries like finance and healthcare, you can stay ahead of the curve and stay on the right side of disruption by visiting techemergence.com. And when you're there, make sure to sign up for our weekly newsletter on the left-hand side of the page. Uh, most of our podcast listeners get our, the episodes directly to their inbox every week. You'll be joining tens of thousands of other business leaders who join us from all over the world to stay ahead of the curve of AI in their specific industry. So that's techemergence.com. I'm Dan Fagella. This is AI and Industry, and we'll catch you next week.